1: Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is Talksport Daily. Hello,
2: happy Tuesday and welcome to another edition of the Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily podcast with me, your host, without an Alice band. Yeah, Andy Goldstein. Yeah, the Alice band is gone. The hair is now well and truly in the PLO stage. So the Alice band is no longer until someone says, you look better with the Alice band. And then I go, mm, do I? And they go, no, but it just looks better than the pillow because you don't like pillow, you look like Joe Allen. And I go, mm. anyway, enough about my hair and Joe Allen. We start with a bit of VAR. Do we have to? Yes, we do. And after Patrick Bamford's goal was disallowed against Crystal Palace at the weekend, it left many talkSPORT pundits angry. You'll hear from Andy Townsend. Is he back again? Yep, he was on drive yesterday. And Adrian Durham, both, of course, on drive. Former referee Mark Halsey. But first up, the Watford skipper, Troy Deeney on breakfast. Not what he had for breakfast. On the show, breakfast. I don't know what he had for breakfast. Oh, hold on. just been handed to me. Oh, I can't say that.
3: Do you think at any moment now, a little clip in the box, you're going to go down. If a ball hits at a hand, you're going to scream for it. Yeah. You just never know. And I think you don't actually know the rules. If that makes sense, you were waiting on a referee to, to get it right.
4: It's his hand
0: that's offside. That can't be offside. Have I missed something? Was there a rule change a couple of weeks ago or something? When the goal goes in, you see the still and you think, well, that's de- definitely not offside. I'm, I'm gobsmacked by that. Not for the first time, obviously, but this has got to be one of the worst ones I've seen.
2: Where did they draw those lines? Was it with the near-side defender? Or was it the far-side defender? Because the far-side defender looks like he's playing him onside. See, we've not thought this through. Let's use the naked eye. In in, in, in MLS... Okay, they use the naked eye. If we, I mean, we watch. We all watch football. We all watch football. Okay, now, as soon as he's offside, if he's fractionally offside, you see it straight away in the first replay. You see he's offside. Fine, no problem. Factual. If it's taking one, two, three more than thirty seconds, it's a goal.
5: They actually turned around tomorrow, our refs, and said, "We're not doing this anymore. We're not. You know, you can stick your rules and you can stick all your all this and that and all your organisations. We're actually not refereeing. What would happen then?" What would happen if 15 of them turned up at the weekend and said, no, we're not doing it? We're not actually going to going to abide by those laws because we believe it's absolutely spoiling the game. The integrity of our game has always been something that's been upheld, has always been something that's been important to fans in this country, to players in this country. And the integrity of the game now is, is seriously in question because of these daft interpretations of this rule. The
0: lino who didn't flag Bamford offside must be wondering, I don't even know the laws anymore. And actually, I I wonder, I feel feel for him. Because you're right, he'll get home and he'll think, I've been told I made a bad decision but actually I still think it was the right decision mm. but publicly I've been hung out to dry so maybe you're right maybe it is up to the officials to come out and say something
5: I don't think any of us when we first when when when, when VAR was first uh, acknowledged and when it was first we first realized it was coming into the game I don't think any of us honestly believed we were going to see some of the stuff that we're now witnessing pretty much on a weekly basis here in my opinion James it's only going to get worse and as the season becomes more critical at the top and at the bottom of the table it's then going to have serious impact on livelihoods and on on everything else. We
3: had a goal midweek that should never have been a goal you know if that was VAR it would not have happened there's been a few instances this season where players similar to the Villa goal the first goal where you know Barker was in front of the mm. keeper there have been moments like that and you're going oh that shouldn't really have been given but it does add to the enjoyment um, the one thing I do like is you're not waiting around.
2: Now, in yesterday's podcast, both Man City boss Pep Guardiola, or Guardiola, no one really knows, and the Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp, is the only way you can say it, weren't too happy with the fixture congestion in the Premier League. Both managers were keen to see the reintroduction of the five-substitute rule as well. Danny Murphy, Simon Jordan, Troy Deeney, and the Palace manager Louis V. V. Hodgson all had their say on the issue.
4: I don't quite know what has changed this year to the other years... Other than the fact that, for some inexplicable reason, the international teams are pretty friendly alongside two Nations Cup games. I mean, that I don't understand. I don't think that's a particularly good move. And I say that as next international manager, I don't think I'd be pushing for that. Because you know that at this time of year, the players, they belong to the clubs and you borrow them for the matches when there are internationals to be played, and forcing a third match into the schedule, I don't think does anybody any favour. So if they're complaining about that, they have my 100% sympathy.
0: I do understand the unique season we've got, and the intensity of the games coming to come fast, Mm. hence the fact that I supported the five-sub change, coming back and not being erased in the first place. I do understand the argument of the lesser teams, of course. But as as I alluded to back then, the, the, the main thing in football is the supporters for me that the priorities of supporters and the product we're watching and i even now in my job want to see the best players on the pitch and if you've got a situation where last weekend i think the numbers were up to 42 percent increase in muscle injuries surely the extra subs is going to make
5: a difference i spoke already to premier league now only yesterday before the game i spoke to pep about the five subs we have to change things
4: i was against this five substitute thing I was against it because I thought it steered into a certain precedent that would be set forever. And that's what always worries me, that when you change something to adapt to certain circumstances, all of a sudden the same voices will say, well, it's now we're now used to it, so we should have it ad infinitum. And I think that hurts other teams in the league. But if it's an exceptional set of circumstances that are only ever here and clearly and implicitly understood for COVID-19 landscapes mm. and reschedules, yeah. then I think that perhaps five, five substitutes are part and parcel of making it a more consistent product. To be put up at 12.30,
5: was not fair it's not fair for the boys it's not fair for my players
3: we should do more in terms of making the lads who play champions league play on a sunday give them an extra day or two i think to have man united as a very early first kick off on saturday was was ridiculous yeah. i think giving them a few more days you know especially when they're travelling as well hmm. i think you know the the premier league can do more to look after them that way especially when you look at all the games being condensed this season and then obviously the international break that we bought in uh, February has now been taken away as well. So there's even less time for these, you know, these superstars to even continue. But I just think if we need to, uh, if we're going to change the league in terms of just cramming it all in, get it all finished, there needs to be some sort of, you know, help towards the players and especially the managers.
2: Now, Adam Luckman had a terrible attempted Penenka penalty saved in the last minute as Fulham slipped to a one-nil defeat at West Ham. It's fair to say that Danny Murphy and Andy Townsend aren't fans of that particular style of penalty taking.
5: For him to step up and do that at the weekend, I thought was disgraceful. And he's not a baby. He's 23. People say he's only a young lad. Hold on a minute. Ain't wet behind the ears. He's been to Everton. He's been out to Germany. He's had some big moves, made a few quid. Good luck to him. And no one's denying him that. But don't turn up and do that.
4: Ademola-Lukman takes a slow run-up. Oh, he's gone for the Penenka and he's Penenka'd it straight into the arms of Fabianski. It's a shocking penalty from Ademola-Lukman.
0: Self-indulgent, yeah. A bit of arrogance, I think. I, I don't like it at all. I think if you're going to do it, you've got to be some player and you've got to have some, some real stock. Even then, depending on the size of the game and the seriousness of it, it's not about you, it's about the team. Now, if you look at penalties generally, it's a very simple equation. You know, The slower you hit the ball the easier you make it for the goalkeeper simple as that now I don't believe in whacking it as hard as you can I I placed the ball strong side foot that was my technique but even whacking it gives you a better chance because it's speed of the ball
4: Fabianski boots the ball into the stands in delight the full time whistle is gone Adimola Lookman forlorn. What a dreadful
5: penalty from him. Don't turn up and, and try and do that, that 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 clever stuff. Leave that to people that are that are good enough to do that. You just be a proper pro, step up and bang it in the back of the net, and we take a point back to the cottage and we're up and running. We're rolling. We've had a win and a draw, and everybody's feeling a lot better about themselves. Instead of that, his manager has to trot out in front of the press and somehow try and make sense of the most Stupid thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't care that he's missed the penalty. The way he's missed it is, is obviously a, uh, an issue. But like I said, he's been um,
0: he's been superb. He will be superb. He'll come in. We'll get around him now. After he knows he's made a mistake, and
5: we'll go again.
2: Back now to Troy Deeney on Harry Kane and whether or not the England captain can break Alan Shearer's Premier League goal scoring record.
3: I actually think he will. Mm. I actually do think he will. Statistically, he will go on to score a lot more goals. I think Harry, injury permitting, will always score you twenty plus goals a season. Mm. Always, he's just he's just that good. Um, he's obviously adding the assists as that as as well now. Yeah, he's not coming to link it up in like a holding midfielder role. He's getting it with a view to trying to put somebody else in or put them in to be coming onto the ball. Mm. So I don't think he's going to be um, losing goals. He could still score the the goal like he scored yesterday, which was the the, the deft finish. We're
0: done by Kane, and Harry Kane has done it. In the 88th minute, he scores his 150th Premier League goal.
3: I do think he's going to go on to to beat the record, but I would also, I I agree with Andy Cole, he doesn't come in my top five of... Premier League strikers of all time, just for my personal who I like to look at.
2: Back now to Danny Murphy and Simon, I've never put lemon juice on my hair, Jordan. Looking back at Manchester United's incredibly brilliant, much needed win at the weekend against Everton, who on earth doubted them in
4: the first place? I think top teams don't have hills and valleys. And I think they, you know, what makes a great team, and Danny will be able to speak to this better is that you have a consistency and you don't have these great performances followed by these substandard performances. There is no doubt that there's quality in that dressing room. There's no doubt that Manchester United are a better team than some of the performances they put in. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not a awful manager. I just believe that to get to the level that Manchester United require, which is to hang on to the shirt tails of Pep or Jurgen Klopp, or whoever else you want to put into that bracket, Jose Mourinho, they need more than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. United need to be sitting in the
0: top four in a much better position than they are now come January for me if they continue having erratic performances with the odd win sandwiched in between I think by January he might be in trouble Um, but I certainly don't think they'll be kicking him out the door at least till then Edison Cavani's
4: first Manchester United goal seals a vital victory for the team, for the club and particularly for the manager. Players can respond. You've got top quality players in there and they will respond to certain situations. When you're getting pillared from pillar to post as they were after the defeat in Turkey, you expect a response from big time players that have managed to land at Man United. Now, can
2: Aston Villa win the league? Of course they can't. Don't be so stupid. But this is Troy Deeney saying that Villa, who are currently sixth in the Premier League, are getting back to where they're meant to be. And that is obviously sixth.
3: Everyone there that that I know deserves all the credit from from Dean to Rich O'Keefe to JT to Shaky, They all deserve massive plaudits, but they're getting Villa really back to a level where they should be. And obviously being from Birmingham and understanding what it does for the city as well. It's huge. It's huge to have a team not only be big and powerful, but be, be broad-shouldered in the we're, we're going about... Our business and trying to move. This, you know, I think they're getting in the top ten. I genuinely think they'll get in the top ten.
4: Blown in by a towards Grealish. She oh. strikes it right-footed, brilliantly, and scores what surely is the winning goal. Villa are a hit on the road.
3: So obviously they've added John Terry to the coaching department. Naturally, you would think that John's working with the defence. Again, another clean sheet last night. Yeah. But obviously, knowing Shaky and working with him, obviously last year, but what he's also done at Leicester. Anyone who knows Craig Shakespeare knows he's a very, very good coach. Again, adding. So more and more work that they're doing allows Dean to then go and do the the man management, to go and speak to the players, to go and give them that confidence that they can do what they want. So I think you don't have to look at the recruitment necessarily just on the football pitch. You look around it and see what they've got. And they've got a really good team there. And as I say, for me, top 10 is what they should be looking at. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that.
2: Now over to the Press Box with Danny Kelly, Sean Custis and The Times' Henry Winter, all talking football.
1: 15 minutes to go and it's game over. Arsenal falling apart, Arsenal nil, Aston Villa 3.
0: There's some alarming stats around at the moment though, so comparing the first 28 games for uh, Emery and for Arteta. And Emery was (laughs) some way ahead. In his first twenty eight games in terms of points. One, I take your point, Henry, about getting some trophies on the sideboard because I think that was really important. But it is a little bit alarming to see how Arsenal have dropped off, I've, I think, over the last half dozen games. I just think everybody's saying, Oh, Arteta's on the right path. He's got work in pro it's a work in progress, I get you, but he is definitely on the right path. He knows what he's doing, he knows where he's going, and everybody knows where he's going. I don't think you can say that unequivocally. I think you've got to have some concerns about where it is particularly, I think, that £600,000 a week is going out on two players, one of whom can't contribute at all because he's not in the squad, and the other one who isn't contributing on the field right now. And
2: we finished the podcast with my show, The Best Bits of Andy Goldstein Sports by Monday to Thursday from ten PM with Jason Cundy. Taking your calls after Oxford City against Northampton in the FA Cup. We were never ever gonna take calls on that. I don't even know why Producer Tom's written that. Here's us not taking calls on Oxford City against Northampton in the FA Cup. Cobblers. No, honestly, we didn't.
1: and Watkins diving in inside the 6 yard box to head past Bernd Leno, and it's abject arsenal nil,
5: Aston Villa 2. It's a really bad combination. You don't win the duels, you are late, they are more focused, they are more determined in every ball. You don't defend your box well enough, and you, when you have the
3: chances, you don't put it in my way. It's impossible to win a football match.
4: But what I'm saying is, Arsenal Football Club, with that squad of players, should not lose at home, 3-0 to Villa. With all due respect to Villa, a draw or whatever... Yeah, but you do not lose. So the only reason that I can come up with, and looking at Mikel at the end of the interview, he looked a broken man and he has lost that dressing room. Rubbish. Absolute
2: rubbish. Honestly, I've never heard anything like that in my life. That's the worst I result I've seen in
4: 30 years as an Arsenal fan. Just the worst you can. The worst result you've seen in 30 years. Do you not remember your performance Or Wrexham? Come on, listen, mate.
2: I've seen. I've been going over there since nineteen eighty. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen some garbage over there. But, that, but I, I, I know what I'm seeing in my eyes, and he's got us going the
4: right way. Yesterday, the last time, three 0 at home like that was under George Graham to Coventry City on an opening day. Mickey Quinn at Trek. We have never lost like that under Wenger in twenty two years ever. Not even under Emery did we lose like that. We lost eight two. 6-2, uh, Chelsea turned us over. we never lost. A- Wenger should have walked in about 2015, mate. Sorry, uh, that's the biggest. Uh, and if you were one of these ones that's
2: calling for Ozil to come back, when is the last thing he did on a pitch?
4: Yang. he does not, he looks like a player that doesn't want to be there. Honestly, now I wonder whether the brand of football, he is starting to feel that his attributes are not being used they're not being utilised they are, they're not playing to his strengths he scored one goal in open play that was against Fulham first day of the season
2: Arsenal coming forward with William swept out to this left hand side and Aubameyang the lovely chest control just inside the penalty area and a fabulous goal by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang
4: I don't quite know what Arsenal are they're having a bit of an identity crisis trying to move away from the Wenger era where the last two or three years they weren't really playing the Wenger style of football, Arteta has come in and done a good job. I'm not slating Arteta here. They've done a good job. He's done. He's been there just under a year. Yeah. And where they were to where they are, you could say there's improvement. Well, yes and no.
2: Before I go, let me tell you about some live football you can see in the Pizza Cup. Sorry, the Papa John's Trophy. It's live on Talksport Two, exclusively from 7 p.m. It's Charlton against Leighton Orient. Commentary from me and Danter and Sam Parkin. That's it. I'll be back for another Andy Goldstein Sports Bar from 10 p.m. tonight. Of course, there'll be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily Podcast out first in the morning. So do what you've got to do to get it. You know what I'm talking about. Until then, have a great day. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Be safe, everyone. Be safe.
1: only from rustolium